I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Morning. Welcome to Bible study. Jonah chapter 4. Some people have said this is the best chapter of Jonah. I've heard that. (laughs) Some have said that. The conclusion, the final... The final chapter. Chapter. I was thinking of a more dramatic thing to say than chapter. Episode? Yeah. I didn't want to say act. No. I didn't want anyone to assume it's not real, but the uh, it is kind of this arc Enough of action. Enough hype. Okay. Let's do Just it. Just get into it. I'm going to forego the summary this time. Wow. It's really okay. hard for me. Do you think I, sh- I should summarize it? what we read? You should just do it. Fine, it okay. Bother you. I can't. I can't not do it. Okay, chapters one and two. The typical Jonah story. Jonah's supposed to go to Nineveh. He runs away. Mm-hmm. God sends a storm. Gets eaten by a fish. Yeah, we've all been there. Not eaten. Swallowed. He's not digested, I suppose. Fish spits him out. He goes to Nineveh. And yesterday, chapter 3, we read about what happened in Nineveh, uh, which was he proclaimed the word of God, and they accepted it very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then when God saw what they did, he had compassion on them. And that's how it ended yesterday. That's it. And chapter nice. 4 is... Got a really surprising heading. But that does have a nice has a nice arc and it's a very happy ending. That, it would have been a good aw, place to end. It could have been. I'm, a good I'm sorry. Place. I didn't mean like would have. No, it would have. If I was if, if I were writing, writing happy stories. A happy story. Yeah. Or if you're writing the Christ like version of the story. <laughs> Uh, that's sometimes where it ends, or even before it, actually. Last night, this came up in our... One of our children's... Children's Bibles. We should have, like, a trivia quiz. How many children's... Different versions of children's Bibles do you think that I own in my house? Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder if it's more or less (laughs) than the amount of stuffed sheep we have. (laughs) Not actual, like... Sheep, like stuffed animals. Yeah. Stuffed animals. That would be easy. We have zero <laughs> of those. No. How many? How many Bibles, children's Bibles? Do you think that we own? If you if you have a guess, you should email, pastor, and uh, we'll see who gets closest to the right answer. Yeah. We'll send you a personalized message. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post a picture once. Uh, I find all the Bibles. I'm not even sure myself. I know what the number is probably close to, but, uh, yeah. What do you think uh, by what I've said about children's Bibles? <laughs> anyway, he... The, the title of this chapter says, in my Bible, at least, the NIV 84 Concordia Self-Study Bible, Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. Hmm doesn't sound like it makes sense. Why would someone be angry when someone else is compassionate? 
Let's read and find out. Okay. All right. Chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take me, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Okay, stop there. It's just so confusing. <laughs> well, it's a it gives us, of it kind of flashes back in when he says, because before this, we have no idea. It's just the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah go to Nineveh, and instead he goes to Joppa to get on the boat. But here, it says that Jonah argued with the Lord before he left and said, Oh, I don't want to go there because you're gracious and you're compassionate and you're just going to forgive him. So he's, yeah, like, I just don't understand. This is why I was quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew you were gracious. Mm -hmm. Like... I didn't want to go there and preach to these bad people because I knew you would forgive them. Yes. I only wanted to go if you really are going to kill them all. Is that like what he's saying? Yes. That's so and, terrible. <laughs> yeah. But the Assyrians had... Are known for being incredibly brutal. Yeah, incredibly brutal in, in uh, having having no compassion on people, destroying people, the Israelites would have been in constant fear and all these other countries in constant fear trying to ward them off. And now he hears what the Lord says and it's, I want you to go preach to their capital city and I want you to convert them. And he wants justice. In his eyes, he wants the Lord to punish them. He wants fire and brimstone to rain down from heaven. Right, like a but a pastor, priest, prophet, you would not think that they want fiery vengeance. You would think they'd be happy about compassion and forgiveness because if you look at a lot of the other prophets and prophecies and psalms, it's it's crying out for forgiveness. It's crying out for compassion. Oh, Lord, forgive us for our sins. Do not, you know, blah, 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 destroy this or do that or send this plague or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Love us and forgive us. And it's like he, you know, he's a prophet, so he probably has prayed that for his own people. But then when it comes to another group of people, he doesn't want compassion. No. He wants justice for them because they're really bad or something in his eyes. They are really bad. Well, I mean, and but so are he, they. So are the Israelites. So are the Israelites. <laughs> so is yeah. everybody. But he, he wants the Lord to do to them, it seems, what he has done, he did to the other nations when they came into the promised land. Just completely destroy them. And this goes back to my assumption that I was talking about in chapter one, that I think Jonah had depression issues. Because it seems that he has this kind of manic depressive thing where it's 
He's in so jubilation. The Lord is so great. I'm going to do whatever he says. And then it's, I want to go die. Or earlier, the Lord never told him, hey, throw yourself off the boat. He just told the people, now throw me off the boat and then the Lord will stop. I don't, I don't know if I agree with this. It's, I know, I'm reading it a little bit more, You're, but I think... You have a theory that is all your own. I don't know that it's... No, it's have just, you ever read it, written or read it? I mean, not written. <laughs> have you ever read it in any other... Um, I have heard, I have heard okay. other people mention it. Okay. But this is making that point is very good. If you or if a pastor or a person comes up with a brand new theory about the Bible, chances are you're wrong, <laughs> you know, because yep. there's there's so many people that are so intelligent that have been studying the Bible for so long that if you're just, oh, why did no one else notice this ever? Well, someone may have noticed it, however... They realized, they, they, they realized through study <laughs> and through their uh, friends well, or, or pastors. Or it's just an them. unnecessary jump to make. That's true. So it reminds me, his actions also remind me of a small child, which we all true. are like that at some time where, and you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we've said the Assyrians are terrible and brutal, but we say that you know, very generally, and mm-hmm. we're moving on, but if you study and read the history of their country and what they did to not only the Israelites, but other countries, you and you lived it, you'd have a much different viewpoint than everyone should be forgiven, like I'm kind of having right now. Just like a child who, you know, is arguing with a sibling or a friend, and they go tattle... They don't have good, pure <laughs> hopes in their heart. Like, I hope this person improves so that they're, you know, not going to commit this sin anymore and and be forgiven. Like, they're tattling because they want to see this person get put in time out, lose a privilege, whatever. Mm-hmm. They want, like, a little vengeance. That's why some kids tattle. And <clears throat> we seek justice in our lives, too. Like, if someone wrongs us we want to take them to court and get money and make sure they're locked up and you know their punishment is our you know goal sometimes I think Jonah is falling into it just a trap sinful trap it's hard to understand because he you know has this connection with God and you would think that he'd be a little more compassion focused but he's still vengeance focused which easy for me to say oh Jonah what's wrong with you but But, if you were in the situation where you lived with this city not so far away from you you maybe would be reluctant to go there reluctant to forgive them so I don't know I'm kind of seeing it both ways right now that's where we got all right let's keep reading now (laughs) but the Lord replied have you any right to be angry Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the vine. 
But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? That's the end. That's it. The end. Yeah. And there's no answer. Well, there's no... I mean, it's it's a great point by there's the no Lord. There's no response from there's Jonah. There's no response. There's no what happened to Jonah or Nineveh in the years that followed, necessarily. I mean, we could find out, and we knew. We know historically what happens. But, uh, yeah, it just kind of leaves it at that. It's a lesson. He's using the vine as a... Mm, Metaphor? Not a me- Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a metaphor because it's actually there. But, yeah, I mean, it. it is a metaphor for... An objective lesson? Sure. For what he feels about a town. Sort of. Well, it's just... Yeah, Jonah is so happy that there's this little piece of life in the desert that gives him some comfort. And again, he's he goes out and waits to see when the 40 days are done if the people are going to mess it up and God's going to destroy the city. Yeah, I know what I see in my Bible about the two times where he says it's better for me to die than to live. Um, The note says, To Jonah, God's mercy to the Ninevites meant an end to the Israelites' favored standing with him. So he, Hmm. he may have thought, like, God is always doing this cycle of punish, forgive, punish, forgive, punish, forgive for the Israelites and with their enemies you know he's always rescuing them from their enemies and that means provi- you know providing destruction for the enemies but now that he's doing the forgiveness cycle with Nineveh he mm-hmm. feels like oh we're not the favored country anymore we're, maybe we're not God's special people mm-hmm. and the, I mean, this is just a note. I don't know, you know, it's not definitive why he said it, but it's interesting to think of that perspective, too. So, yeah, I have a question. He wanted to, like, just live here in the desert and watch the city for 40 days? Mm -hmm. To see what would happen to the city, he says. So he builds his little shelter. And, yeah, the... The 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left. So that can be... I've heard that explained one of two ways. One way is 
that they are children, 120,000 people that are so young that they don't even know what right or left means, or it's a 120,000 people that... 120,000 children? Yeah, it'd Do be a mean, huge city. No, I mean, like, that the whole city can't be children. No, it's just counting the children, and then there are older people as well. Oh. So he's just saying, like, there's 120,000 completely innocent people and animals there. You want me to kill all of that when they've done nothing wrong? Or that when they said, didn't know their right hand from their left hand meant they are kind of just a... They're just completely ignorant They don't of, know what's good or what's bad. Yeah. They don't know. That's the other explanation of it. Oh, I like that one better. I do. <laughs> I'm just saying I've heard it explained both ways, and okay. it's something we don't... Yeah. But I think that one's right just for the fact that if it's 120,000 people that or children that are too young to know right from left, that means that the city would be like a million people. At least, yeah. Which talks a little bit about, you know, when it says there's a three-day journey into the city, they think about that. But it would be very difficult back then to have a city that large and support it with agriculture and water and all of these different things. But who knows? It's, that's not really the point. The point is it's a lot. It's just yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot. And God cares about every single soul, no matter where they are from. And it's, you know, God is, was not someone that just wanted to save the Israelites. He wanted to save the whole world. Hmm. The Israelites were God's chosen nation that he was going to protect so that the line of the Savior could move through them. But he still is a God that anyone who believed in him would have eternal life. Right. And there are multiple people or examples of this throughout there. I mean, Rahab being in Jericho. Uh, just being afraid of the Lord and then trusting in him and eventually being in the line of the Savior. Yeah, I think the book is about compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, God's compassion. And even here, he's dealing compassionately with Jonah. Because Jonah's being angry and vengeful. He doesn't have love in his heart. Or, you know, he's throwing himself some sort of pity party. Mm-hmm. And God could have, you know, God's responses sometimes to us can seem un- unpredictable. Like, sometimes he's like, you wicked servant, you know, or he knows what's in their hearts, but he know Jonah's clearly being in the wrong right now. And he's being stubborn and he's being unloving. And God could have said, Jonah, I'm going to strike you down with boils or something. You know, like, he does this vine thing and makes him miserable. But he is not ever really in danger of dying. Jonah just wants to die. Mm -hmm. And that could still just be him throwing himself a pity party. What's in danger of dying when he's in the ocean or the sea? Oh, right. No, no. I mean, here. Here. Yeah, here in the desert. He's got a shelter. The vine is nice, but mm-hmm. it's not like 
he's living under a beanstalk. Like mm-hmm. he's got he's he's got a plan or something, but yeah, he's mostly saying he wants to die, if I'm reading this correctly, mm-hmm. because he's not happy about what happens. Mm-hmm. And God just talks to him lovingly and says, why are you angry? Why do you have a right to wish, you know, bad things upon this huge city? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that And it's different. I mean, it's a different situation, like you said, because of the enemies. But it just made me think of how Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. You know, he... He knew that the city had rejected God and was living in sin. And instead of saying, like, let me rescue my, you know, nephew out of there, then, yeah, kill all those bad people. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, save the city. For the and sake of ten. For the sake of, you know, and he started with all, you know, did the countdown. But he, you know, he didn't just want to rescue his his nephew and then let all the other people die. He wanted all those people to be saved. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, Jonah has kind of the opposite view and and God is dealing very kindly with him. He forgives him when he runs away. He's forgiving him now when he is da- like doubting the Lord and doubting God's plan and mm-hmm. bitter, you know, it's just kind of he's forgiving forgives Jonah a couple times and then he obviously forgives the whole city so he's he's a compassionate lord I think in the old testament we do see a lot of like vengeance and punishment striking people down people get like sucked up in an earthquake killed in a flood fire and brimstone you know Mm -hmm. and we think of the old testament lord as being very law and strong but when Jonah says here in verse, what verse was that? Two. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. God who relents from sending calamity. I think that's kind of the, you know, reassurance that even though sometimes we could fall into the trap of thinking God is out to get us, he's out to punish us, we're afraid he's yeah. always he does not want to do those things he I wants to the, forgive us the verse or where it's located but it says our god is one who does not take pleasure in the guilt or in the destruction of the guilty i'm messing that up but rather that they turn from their evil ways and live turn from your evil ways and live yeah so it's well, he yeah, gives God people not, chances. I mean, he gave people a chance before the flood. But just, I mean, again, modern. And again, I, I will try and do this without offending our troops, which, again, very sorry. Um, but the how often when we ask God, why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people, do we say, God, those bad people that are doing bad things please send your love to them so that they know who you are and live lives of sanctified uh, sanctified lives to you we pray for 
justice being, I want them to be punished by you, God. Why don't you punish them? Rather than praying, God, you can change anyone's heart. Please change it through, change them through love rather than change them through punishment. And it's, it's just not a way that I think we naturally think of people. No, I don't think it's the way we naturally think. But I think we're blessed, um, you know, if you're a part of a church body um, or if you're following a church body on <laughs> social media. I don't know. I see a lot of pastors who are very good at reminding people that's what we should be pray- praying for. Mm-hmm. And when tragedy or calamity strikes here whether that's a personal you know something like a what you know like a drunk driver kills Mm -hmm. someone in your family or it's something major like a terrorist attack or a mass shooting or something like that I see people pastors and others praying that or posting prayers about that on you know like Facebook or Instagram Mm -hmm. like pray for the victims but pray for this group or this person who needs God's forgiveness and is a sinner too mm-hmm. and you know sometimes that angers people in the way that Jonah was angered like mm-hmm. I don't want to pray for my enemies but we do need that reminder and I think we have a lot of good pastors in our church group and people all around who will remind remind each other because yeah, like you said, it's not your natural, your natural inclination. But then when I think someone points it out to you, we're all sinners. We're all in need of forgiveness, and that includes the suspect. You know, in yeah. whatever case. And well, it's it's a clear lesson here from Jonah. Right. It's not just a pastor making some application <laughs> no, I didn't from. Say that. No, I I know you didn't. I, I know you didn't. It's. The yeah. the pastors are teaching that there are because of they people that can remind us and pull us mm-hmm. out of this. We're not alone in a desert, crying mm-hmm. about God being too nice. We have people to point us to what we should be doing: being kind and compassionate, and praying for everyone's eternal souls, mm-hmm. not just the people we like. Yeah. Yeah. So. God loves. God loves the whole world, mm-hmm. every one of them. So even if we are sinful and we hold grudges, yeah, and that's—I mean—the comfort there, that if God is willing to save this country who is an enemy of His people, you can be so confident that when you make a mistake, that your God loves you and will forgive you as well. So if we want to apply it back to ourselves and the relationship that we have with God, not just that God has with the world, I I think that's a big takeaway here as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Jonah was short, but lots to take in. So Mm -hmm. thanks for reading through it with us. We will be in a new book next time. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura wake up.